Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. James is firmly back in the recording seat now. Uh, and today's guest, um, I'm quite excited to speak to him. He's probably the only one who's been on the podcast, not once, not twice, but this is his third appearance on the show. So he must be putting out some serious value there when he's when he's uh, being asked to come back a third time. There's lots going on in the world at the moment, and I feel this guy knows uh, a little bit more than most people. Many a conversation over the last few months where we spoke about different kinds of topics, and I'm super excited by what he's doing. At the same time, I'm worried about certain things that are going on in the world at the moment. So I wanted to try and share some of those on the podcast today. So lo and behold, Mr. D. Ludlow, for the third time, welcome to the J2 Hub podcast. Cheers, mate. I just want to say it's good to see you back in the driving seat, mate. Um, and good to see you putting uh, inspirational content out there every single day on your story. This morning, just for the listeners to hear, 5am club, James, his video is on and he's powering through in the gym while I'm <laughs> half asleep. Like I was like, oh, I need to wake up. <laughs> So it's good, oh, Maeve, Maeve, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, it feels it feels like I've been away from the scene for quite a while. But if I'm honest, it's only been, really been about six months, five to six months. But yeah, it's uh, it's nice to kind of turn a real negative and painful situation into a positive one. And, you know, thank you to everybody who supported my fundraiser and everybody who really reached out. It's been it's been really nice, mate. And you and you as well, mate. You know what? You were probably one of the very few that asked me a rare question, which um, I didn't get asked a lot. Everybody was like, oh, you know, James, I'm so sorry to hear about your mum. But I know every time we spoke, you actually asked me, James, how are you feeling? And I mm. found that really strange because nobody really asked me that question um, during the grieving process or when I lost my mum or when I was kind of going through the whole thing. Um, so, yeah, mate, thank you so much for that. It, it meant a lot that someone was actually thinking about the person going through it rather than the whole situation. Yeah, and mate, I think that you handled that very well. Um, I don't think there's a way that people can plan for it. It's just one of those things that you have to try and just deal with when it comes. And I think you handled that amazingly. And what you did, mate, with a fundraiser, unbelievable, mate. Like, I literally, I honestly think that you inspire more people, even though a lot of people reached out to you. I think you inspire more people than you actually think with that. Definitely. Mm, mm, yeah, it's it's weird because I just thought I was doing a normal thing. But then when people are reaching out and saying, look, James, you know, you've, you've helped me process pain. You've helped me realize um, how to how to go through certain things. And it was really nice to hear that, um, you know, even after my mum had gone, it was a real kind of positive, uplifting experience for so many people. And, and time and time again, people were saying, like, I didn't meet your mum personally, but I really felt like I knew her, which mm. is which is odd. Yeah, mate, definitely. I think that you um, you touched a lot of people with what happened, just the way you handled it. I mean, I think it was amazing. 
Oh, no, thank you so much, mate. Thank you so much. You know what? I was going to save this question for later, but I'm going to go straight into it because I think it fits nicely onto what we were talking about. Dee, what's your opinions on on counselling, like somebody going through counselling or, you know, somebody having gone through mental health issues? Um, how do you feel about counselling for somebody in business or somebody just generally in life? I think that, so look, this is, this is, a, this is a good question because... I've sort of always dealt with things myself. So I've always been sort of my own counselor and it's probably been part of my downfall that I didn't reach out to people. Um, I think that getting over that barrier, especially is usually the ego side of it where you think you don't need help. Um, I think is, is needed. I think that, you know, yes, we can go through life and yes, we're very strong as individuals, but at the end of the day, when someone can sit there and share their experience with you, and they can help you and they can relate to you, it does make things better. At the end of the day, I know I'm not somebody that really reaches out and talks to many people if I'm going through something, but if you can get over that barrier where you do that and someone can share their experience with you, then you, you learn from any every conversation, regardless of what it is, whether you're grieving or whether you're going through something great in life. You, it's There's always someone to learn from, so you should always be like an open book when you're walking around and talking to people. But yeah, back to your question, I think that, I think it's heavily needed now more than ever. I think that the more people become judged and the more things that change in the world, I think having a support mechanism, especially from a mental health aspect, and uh, yeah, I think is, is needed now more than ever. The, the, the reason I kind of ask is because, you know, you through social media now you hear more about mental health and it's not kind of it's not kind of shone upon, you know, and it's always you see those adverts every so often, you know, check in on your friends, make sure their mental state's all OK. Hence the reason why I was asking, because I've been one of those people that has been dead against counselling because it's just one of those things, you know, men don't do. And especially Asian men, if you've got a problem in your head, you go and sort that shit out. You don't go and speak to someone about it. And if I started talking to old uncles or family members about it they'll probably look at me and think what the hell's wrong with this guy yeah you know so for me it was always something that i said i would do at some point in my life it's something i always kind of put on a back burner because i just thought now nah, i'm in a good place i don't need this i know don't need don't need this and i always used to say to my wife i'm gonna i'm gonna get some counseling just so i can understand what's going on in my mental space in my head and eventually i thought to myself you know what if my legs are hurting, I go and see an osteo. If if I'm not feeling well, I go and see a doctor. If my teeth are messed up, I go and see a dentist. But what the hell am I doing if I feel that my mental headspace isn't right? You know, why am I putting off not going to see a counsellor? So most recently I decided, especially with losing my mum, I thought, you know what? I'm going to engage in seeing a counsellor. I bit my bottom lip and I thought, you know what? This is not a bad thing. And the more people I spoke to in my circle, the more people I realised that are actually using counsellors and they are, they find it very, very beneficial. And it is very kind of, it helps their mental state. It helps them in their life, their relationships and everything. So I, I had a first session with this chap. Um, if anybody wants his details, you can DM me and I'll, I'll forward them on to you. And you know what? I was I was a bit kind of like I thought, oh, he's just going to talk mumbo jumbo, ask me how I'm feeling, la di da di da. It's going to be a load of fairies and all this. And you know what, mate? I was absolutely gobsmacked at what he was able to pull out of me in a 50 minute session. And you know, I sat there and I actually felt sad and upset that 
he was able to see this in me through conversations. And for the last 30 odd years, some of these things I could not process. So it was, it was mental, mate. Like it was really on a different kind of level on, on, on certain things that he came out with and helped really relate emotions to feelings and what you're going through and why you act in certain ways. And so, you know, James being James, I've kind of signed up for another 20 sessions with him because I think there's some work to be done. Some serious work to be done. Yeah, I mean, I think that having the understanding of why you feel a certain way as well, you know, these people, they they specialise in that field and I'm the same as you. I'm not somebody that thought I would ever need counselling and I've never had it up to now, but I've been speaking to people, other friends of mine, and it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur or not, but friends of mine that are sort of entrepreneurs that actively do this. Um, and I know one that's like a real high-level entrepreneur and he actively speaks to somebody and it's helped him. And he said, literally in every way, shape and form, he said that, that the understanding the way he thinks certain ways, why he does certain things, why he reacts a certain way. And it's like they put in the pieces of the puzzle together that we try and do ourselves. But the thing is when we do it ourselves, is like, we just, we just put them to the side. We just don't, we don't act, act on them. We don't actually, um, try and solve the problem we just push them to the side all the time when i think when you speak to a specialist in the field you get a better understanding of why you do certain why you think and do things a certain way yeah no i'm I'm, I'm with you mate i'm with you and you know for all those years that i put counselors down and thought it was a a load of mumbo um uh, yeah I, i can only just apologize and say you know what i think it's a great thing and every time i think of a a counsellor or a shrink, it just takes me back to seeing, you know, Tony Soprano lying in that chaise lawn talking to that woman and then, you know, forming this relationship with her over a period of time. That, that's yeah. the only thing, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, for anybody anybody feeling like that or anybody listening who's thinking, you know what, I, I can't process these thoughts, I don't know what's going on, you know, you're hearing it from uncle james himself you need to get out there and speak to someone because just one session has made me think totally different about it and don't think you're you know billy big bollocks you don't need to see a certain person or you don't need to face up to it. if there's something wrong there you need to see someone because if that shit gets seriously wrong you may end up doing something that you end up regretting so yeah massive massive fan of it um and yeah i know kind of diverted a little bit off topic but yeah counseling big thumbs up from me yeah D, where in the world are you, mate? Uh, what's with all this travel and how comes no one can pin you down, man? I'm just, I speak to you a few times a week and then, you know, you're like, oh, James, I go, where are you, D? Oh, I'm in Turkey, James, or I'm in Atlanta, or I'm here. And I'm like, what the hell? For the listeners, mate, come on, tell us what's going on. I always knew D Ludlow as the Welsh guy who was always in Wales, who'd come over to London now and again. And then suddenly you're like some international jet star who's just traveling. And the best thing is, you're traveling with your whole family. Yeah. Well, yeah, I am um, towards the end of last year when we was going into another lockdown, you know, I just thought I've always wanted to go and try a couple of years somewhere. So a few years ago, I was um, waiting for immigration to accept uh, me in Hong Kong. Didn't quite happen. Um, I've always loved the States and then I've been drawn to Dubai. So when we was going to another lockdown, I was like, there's no better time than now to do this. So that was my initial thought. So that's why I went to Dubai. And then this time of year, Dubai gets um, very hot. So it's like 50 degrees at the moment, I think, or close to. 
and obviously I've got three little ones. So I was like, um, maybe we should go somewhere else. And because the limitations in travel at the moment, um, I wasn't going to come back to the UK. I didn't really want to. So I was like, let's get to America and let's go over to the States and spend some time over there. I have family here as well. So at the moment I'm in Atlanta. Um, and yeah, it was nice. I caught up with Gav the other day, went into Miami. So um, yeah, I, I just want to, my ideal life is wake up and be able to sort of be or do what I want. I thought I've punished myself too long and not done it. So I'll, why, why not do it now? What's it like with traveling with the family, Dee? Because you're obviously, you know, you've obviously got a big schedule. You know, you've you have you've got you've got little girls. You've got your missus with you. Tell me, what's it like? Because I've when we've had our calls before, I've seen your two year old run into the conference call before, and it's actually quite funny. But yeah, tell me, tell me what it's like for you, who's oh. someone who's busy, busy. It's very hard. <laughs> um, just for me, the organizing around like trying to make the make sure they're quiet and stuff on calls and whatever. That's hard, but traveling. Oh my. Wow. Um, very hard. Like going to the, the airport with like, you know, like 11 cases pretty much of like hand luggage and stuff. That's obviously there's three little ones. So <laughs> you can imagine that literally I dread the actual going to the airport with everyone. Yeah. Like this weekend when I went into Miami, you know, just tearing up with a backpack on myself. I was like, Oh, this is, this is bliss. <laughs> but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> 11 suitcases. What the hell are you carrying? Oh, man? Bro, it's, yeah. I've obviously picked stuff up while I've been away and it's with three kids, me and Shara is, uh, yeah, it's hard. Trams, <laughs> <Plans>, everything. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Mate, let me ask you a question. How, as a father, as a businessman, as a husband, how disciplined are you with your time in the sense of, um, you know, devoting time to the missus and the kids? How does that work for you? I want the listeners to know, in the sense, someone like yourself who's so, so busy, how are you dividing your time amongst everyone? Um, it is hard. I feel that them traveling with me have been the best for that because it's like, even though I try, I tried to make sure I don't get into like a holiday mindset. So I'm just like, yeah, we're away, but I still got to work. So I'm very disciplined in my time, but being away and being, I feel like it's a lot happier being waking up to sunshine and stuff has made it easier for me to have family time. So I spend way more time with the family being away than I ever did in the UK. Because in the UK, I sort of locked myself away while I was always out networking before COVID. So where it was like always on the go. Whereas now, because there's certain things I've had no choice but to delegate or automate back home because I'm not there, now I feel that I've got more time. And I think it, it feels like the stars have aligned for me because I've had no choice but to like sort of adopt the who, not how mindset because I'm not there. And it's the best thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you find just having the presence of the person there almost feels like you're spending time with them yes but i feel that that was partly my issue before because if there was ever a conversation like you know um about time i'm like well i'm here i'm in the house i'm here but really that's not time so now having the time where you switch your phone off and actually dedicate time to family so at the end of the day if someone said to me where do you feel when do you feel most happy yeah i love the fact if like 
you know, I get a deal done or something. But you know, when I'm switched off and I'm, you know, with the kids or something and I'm seeing them do something and you're happy because you're seeing them do something, even if it's like a cartwheel or something, I just, mm. that's when I feel most happy. So we, why I don't schedule my time more around that. I thought, why didn't I ever used to do this before? So now it's like, sometimes you just got literally switch your phone off, which I do find very, very hard. Um, mm-hmm. And just actually dedicate that time to family. I think I, I feel that like you become more productive that way as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm with you, mate, because I was exactly like the same as you prior. I just couldn't, you know, work. It was always work, work, work. I need to work because I need to provide. I want you to have the best thing, so I need to work. Then you soon realise, when you go through a major disaster, you you soon realise that it's always your family, your partner or your wife or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever, and your children, and your most nearest and dearest that are always there to pick you up, you know, and they're the ones that you tend to neglect the most as an entrepreneur, you know. So... I, I hear what you're saying. And like you say, little things that make it so special with the children. Like I take my youngest JV to school every morning and having the sunshine out, it's just been amazing. Just kind of, it's a 15 minute walk to school, but it's so nice just mm. hearing him talk, telling you stories. And when you hear something like that before you start your day, how can you not be pumped? You know, you, you kind of, for me, the day starts earlier in the gym, you get all that nonsense out of the way. And then just before you start your working day, you've got a kid who's telling you that today he's going to pretend he's a cow at school all day long. He's no longer a boy. He's a cow. <laughs> he's going to move his way through his lessons. And you're thinking, what an imagination, mate. What an imagination. And it's so quick to kind of lose all that in, in, in the busyness of work and life. And that's the real miracle morning, you know. And, um, and, and the one thing that I say, which I this is what changed me, right, so... I've never really been spent time sort of practicing gratitude and stuff when I was in the UK. Being away, I've never been this grateful for life than I've, than I've ever been. And um, then I, I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard someone say, imagine putting a, a timer on your head and it was a countdown timer to the day that you go. Would you, would you live every day differently? And I was like, whoa that's powerful because we don't know what that timer says. And it's true. If we, if we said, if I said to you today, now you've got one month, your next month is going to be very different to what it would be like today. If we said one yeah. year, you'd live and and because we don't know, we do need to make sure we enjoy life. And I've changed a lot of stuff. So I've tried, I haven't got back into the routine over here because of the time difference. But when I was in Dubai, I was going out every morning at like half four, 5am and that apart from the 5am club day. And, um, I would just go for a walk or like a jog and then I'd find some grass or sand and I'd just ground myself. And I, and when someone mm-hmm. first told me about this, I was, I was thought it was in cuckoo land. I was like, what do you mean <laughs> ground yourself? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, really? And I went and did it and I don't know why, but when you walk across grass, barefoot or sand and you just, I just put like peaceful music on or like meditational type music. And I just think, I feel like, you relieve so much stress off yourself. It's crazy. I feel like the earth takes it away from you. And I know it sounds, to people who's never done it, this is going to sound like, what's he talking about? But seriously, it, it helped me. It's helped me so much in just everything. You know, you, it's just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I, I, I'd never change doing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, man. I hear what you're saying. Totally gratitude. Is something that we um, we kind of 
we we forget the little things and you know there's been times in the past where i've posted a picture or a small video of me walking to school with my son holding his hand or making a funny face and put financial freedom and people say to me hold on how's this financial freedom i go you don't get it do you? you don't get the whole concept behind it this for me is financial freedom because i get to do things that other people don't get to do like taking their children to school mm. and it amazes me so much that i speak to certain in fact i was on a call the other day and somebody said to me you know i can't wait to go full time in property so that i can take my kids to school and this is someone who's got a great life you know probably earns a decent wage you know in fact probably earns a great wage but can't have the joy of taking the kids to school and we forget these little things are so 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 precious and we're always chasing the bigger picture um yeah and you forget and you forget these things and you know what you just said there d about the timer on the head it's so so weird you said that because the other day i was working out that the day my mum passed away she'd actually only lived for 23,700 days and when you look at that for a lifetime you think that is actually not quite a lot at all. You know, when you put it down to 23,000 days, yeah. you know, you start breaking that up and you start thinking how much of that time you're sleeping, how much of that time you're eating, working. And before you know it, it's probably a third of that, you know, a third of that you've lived your actual own life. So a real powerful thing you just said there about the timer on the head, man, I totally hear you, totally yeah. relate. Yeah. Well, let me take a deep breath before the next question, mate. I'm uh, <laughs> taken back a bit d what the hell is going on in the world at the moment man tell me um this is i know you love this question what's going on with the banking system what's going on with DeFi? what's going on with the government's money hit me with it baby so so i'll ask you a question right and then first so do you think that we're in a bit of a bubble right now yes right so this is where people i think are missing yeah, missing what's going on because people are like, yeah, it's a bit of, it's a bit toppy, it's a little bit of a bubble. It's like, well, no, this is an actual, but it's not a little bit of a bubble. This is, this is a big bubble, and it was a bubble anyway. But this is crazy. So, like, basically, what's the definition of a bubble? Is a bubble is just when the prices um, for like a given class of assets or goods just basically overshoots the implied market equilibrium price, right? So. If you look at what's happening right now, um, that's that down to a definition. And what happens then is it'll just continue to go persistently high and continues to climb rather than correcting towards the expected equilibrium prices. And look, this usually happens because of an increased supply of money and credit flowing into the market, which then gives the buyers the ability to continue to take prices as higher and higher and higher, which that's what we're seeing now. And when I see people look at this topic and they're sort of shilling, uh, this is good. Now, look, I'd love seeing people profit from stuff like this. And I'm not just saying, I'm not even aiming this towards one asset because this is for every asset, including crypto, you know? So, you know, basically in an asset bubble, all the new money that's entering the market keeps prices going up well beyond the say the the fundamental value of the underlying asset um and this sort of it, it changes the whole supply and demand narrative and at the moment when people are talking about fundamentals it's like well yeah where is the fundamental value of some of these right now 
And, you know, people look at, say, crypto and be like, well, how, how is Bitcoin worth, you know, whatever is worth at the time? Well, it's like, well, okay, there isn't as much history in crypto, but why is a house worth what it is right now? Why are people overpaying for houses? Why are people arguably overpaying for like Tesla stock or Apple stock right now? Now, it's all down to the individual um, and what we determine as value as the price of something. So the thing is that when this starts going wrong, basically when in times like now where things have gone parabolic and everyday people um, are usually the last people who get the new money that's put into the system. And then when we're, in it, we're, you know, we're just the everyday person and then when, when we get it, mostly people in that space of the everyday person have no investment experience whatsoever, but then they think, I can benefit from these rising prices. And then the people who got the money first, like the banks, Wall Street, they'll sell. And at this point, the bubble is basically no longer sustainable. So without adding any more money or credit by the central bank, um, where, where in this case, you've seen the Federal Reserve injecting more and more money to keep this going. And all central banks are keep doing this to keep it going. Eventually, the show ends and then it doesn't end well. And if we looked at history, like, you know, the 1920s depression, the 90s dot-com bubble, the 2000s real estate bubble. It's like, okay, so how do you spot a bubble? Okay, well, let's look at what the experts say because I'm not listening to somebody um, because they're apparently an educator in their field of work. I'm looking at what does the experts say, the people who've been doing this historically year on year forever. They would say low interest rates, asset shortage, and demand pull inflation, which is basically the, the, the buyer's demand for an assets um, exceeds the available supply of the asset. And then as assets rise, everybody wants to get on the buzz. And that's what's happening now. And that's what's happening with Bitcoin, what's happening with property, what's happening with stocks. So there's no one out there can say that we're not in a bubble. There's no way in hell that these asset prices would be where they are right now if there wasn't an abusive monetary policy. And look, if the Fed chooses to raise rates and sort of taper its bond buying program, then then it risks bursting everything globally, everything asset price, the entire bubble, which that's obviously going to be devastating for the financial system. So this is why they keep thinking, how long can we hold this up? Because look, mate, can you imagine, like we talked about this on the last episode, can you imagine if, um, you know, they, they cut all stimulus now they took away every bit of help that everyone had how many companies then would show their true how truly insolvent they are what would happen like look if the fed that they're talking about raising rates right and saying that inflation's good and we can raise rates now being a, a landlord that's on interest only mortgages which are pretty leveraged you know even at 75 percent pretty leveraged um ish now, imagine they raise rates and imagine they raise rates and your, your mortgage only goes up, say, 100 or 200 pounds. That's devastating for landlords, especially when the, when the tenant's not paying the rent. Now, I do see and I feel that people get trapped in their own little bubble in their head when you're looking at, you look at certain forums. And I'm talking about every asset now. So you can talk, at, talk to people in property forums. And, you know, I put a, a, a post, I think, in one of them last year. And I was like, is anybody um, at the moment struggling with any of their tenants? I've seen people like literally no, as if they they was like the 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 best landlords in the world. No, I've never struggled with no tenants. Um, 
that, yeah, none of my, no voids, no nothing, everything's great. I'm like, well, that's, that's good for you, but I'm just, you know, this does happen. And I was at the Bitcoin conference on the weekend and you're having conversations with some people and they're so maxi Bitcoin, you can't have a, a conversation to challenge the opinion. Now, obviously I'm a complete crypto bull, but I also want to, I want to get caught up in confirmation bias. So if I met anything I mentioned to anyone, they shoot me down like now as if like this, this is only going one way. And look, I do believe that that narrative personally, but I also like to see what other thoughts people have. So you go to, if you talk to certain people, you're already it's already dangerous for you and your mindset because we can look online today and we can find anything we want to confirm our opinion. And right now in the, in the current global economy, there's nothing pointing towards anything good as far as the real economy. The economy that we see is so disconnected from the real economy is unreal. And that's where I think people are forgetting all this. And people, I, I honestly, I see some subliminal stuff on, on Instagram and stuff, I know is aimed at me, right? And, or if it isn't, it's aimed at people like me who are trying to spread awareness. And I'm like, look, I enjoy, I'm not trying to be, promote doomsday. I'm just want to make people aware. That's all. I'm trying to help. Like I'm looking at this from a macro point of view and it's not looking good. And I'd rather make people aware so they don't get caught out. And yeah, it's easy to show the good news because there's plenty of it. That's all we see as far as asset prices. So if you're looking at the housing market or the stock market, oh, that's great. It looks amazing in the media. And, you know, and, oh, it looks fantastic. Best years ever. You look at the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ and the returns that that's given the last 12 months and tell me that's a normal year. You look at the housing market and tell me that's normal. Usually when stuff like this happens, this is when things start to get risky and when you start seeing the government um saying we're going to start issuing 95 percent government-backed mortgages in the current economy how anyone can think that is good for our real economy i just don't understand global debt jet debt to gdp is ridiculous at the moment so to get this back to where we need to go things need to change and i'm not the one who has all the answers i can only give my opinion i'm not saying i'm even right but when we talked on our podcast the last one and my solo ones, I think over a year ago now about universal basic income, people thought I had a tinfoil hat on and now <laughs> they're rolling, they're rolling out in Wales and yeah. you know, furlough's already like slightly part of like a universal basic income. And it's like, that's not because I'm, Oh, I'm not going to be like, told you so I don't do that stuff. I don't like, I told you this was going to happen. Like I'm not that type of person. I'm not doing this for credit and to become a Nostradamus. <laughs> I'm doing this to be like, this is where things are pointing. Please be aware because I don't want to see anybody lose money. Mm. But I feel when is the other way around? Like you, you was on my first 5am presentation, right? It was like well over a year ago now. And when I was yeah. talking about the velocity of money and money printing and stuff back then, and uh, I know people, and I said, look, between, one in three years, I think things are going to go wrong. And if I'm wrong, and this does go, we're like a year gone now. If, if three years comes and I'm wrong, wicked. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't care about being right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not an economist. Don't get paid to do that, right? But I just want to spread awareness because a lot of my friends, including yourself, are in certain asset classes. And, you know, we, we hold like, we, we, we got money in these. We, 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 we got skin in the game. Like, you know, I, I'm a property investor too. I don't, I don't want things to go wrong, but if I can save people, just or just open people's minds and spread a little bit of awareness, that's all I want to do. 
I'm not a person. I see people all the time, especially in property educators. Oh, told you so. Oh, look, this happened. Oh, did I not tell you? Well, like if I said, if, if, if you asked me back then when we said about it, what's going on with the property market? I was like, yeah, it's propped up. They're going to keep propping it up because they don't want it to roll over. Same with the stock market. I didn't say every time we had a new all-time high in the housing market or stock market, told you so. I told you that was going to happen. It's like, yeah, like I'm not that type of person. I don't think like, and if anything, you're leading people down the garden path. Like stop promoting one thing, spread awareness. And I think the biggest thing that lacks in education from especially property, because fundamentals in property when you look at the economic fundamentals people go on supply and demand so yeah cool you see how that housing market holds up with no credit facilities you see let's see how let's see what happens then and again that's not me promoting doomsday we've got to be aware of this stuff because the same people will make the older people in the space were saying the same thing in 2008 a couple of months before rolled over oh yeah this is good buy now leverage up leverage up and all stuff like that. And I'll take investors' monies. This is the way to do it. Yeah, and then what happened when it all rolled over and landlords lost their entire portfolio or some people lost their entire life savings or, you know, that that, that kid that um, asked his uncle for 100K to buy a property to refinance in six months and, you know, or back then he was a wild west, so even less. But, you know, like what happened to them? And you don't, them stories just get forgotten about. And then it's like, oh, best time to buy is now. And, if you're, if you're in the game for the long term, which that, which is why I say I don't tell people not to buy, just so just to just to put this on there and out there. Um, I say, look, if you're in this long term and it's your money, then you're in, you're in the right game. You're in a long term game. Would I want to buy a property at the price that they are today, over asking price? Personally, not. Do I think property is going to be worth more than this in the future? More than likely, if we look at historical data. So I'm not telling people don't buy. I'm telling people if you're using investors' money, be careful because mm. nobody thought credit facilities were going to freeze as quick as they did in 2008. And if you look at back at the start of COVID, banks showed their exposure straight away until people, until central banks and government stepped in. So be careful what you're doing. Like the frac- fractional reserve banking system is not a joke, you know, but yeah. Got it off my chest, James. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Mate, I didn't say anything to you. I didn't want to interrupt because I knew you was on a roll. But, Dee, a couple of things, couple of things you said there, man. Um, I remember probably 18, maybe a little bit longer than 18 months ago, you were saying to me, James, you need to, you need to look at a crypto space. You, know, you need to mm. diversify. And I put my hands up. I'm one of those people that was through and through property you know, early on because it was working for me. It was, everything was going great. So I didn't want to look at anything else. But there was something there in what you were saying that always had my ears pricked. And there was times when me and you would have a Zoom call late in the evening. I would say to you, D, man, I'm scared. I am scared because I know something's going to happen. Something is happening. And I know my subconscious mind has been able to predict things in the past. So I was listening to my brain. And, you know, at first, I didn't want to believe it. And then, you know, slowly, slowly through through watching some of the stuff you did, through doing my own research. And you know what? The research is out there. If anybody thinks you know, you're talking shit or they don't believe what you're saying. Just go out there and do your own research. All you need to do is spend an hour or two on YouTube or on the internet. You'll soon be down a rabbit hole and you'll see what the hell's going on. And when you see it for yourself, you start thinking to yourself, shit, man, this thing could really badly fall over and I could be in a bad place. So for me, it 
you putting the things you put out there really gave me the damn kick up the ass I needed to go out there and look at this a little bit more. I never hated on what you were saying. It, I always knew there was some seriousness to it. And I'm so flipping glad that I listened to it and kind of restructured a few things myself in terms of in my property portfolio. I put certain projects on hold. I actually let go of a few assets. And you know something you said the other day, D? I think it might have been this. No, it wasn't this morning. It was You said, don't ever fall in love with an asset. Mm. You said that, didn't you? Yeah, Did it was you on say the mastermind. This? Yeah, it was on the mastermind Sunday. That's it. You said it on Sunday, and do you know what? I couldn't stop thinking about it ever since, and I thought, do you know what? There's so many people out there that love their assets so much that they will let the assets suffocate them even when they know they need to cut it off. And I was explaining this to someone. I said, it's like you've got a sinking boat. The flipping thing's about to take you under the water, and you're still in that boat when you could jump off, break free, and 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 you know be be shot of it but so many people are so in love with an asset that they think i can't cut it off and it was amazing yeah. when you said that and those words have just been ringing in my head and today i met with someone who i told you who's uh who's gone through some serious training mm. with grant cardone i'll come on to that in a minute but even he was saying he goes you need to know when to cut off an asset even if it's a pro- profitable asset but it's causing you issues don't ever fall in love with it, man. And I think there's too many people in the property space, I don't want to name any names, that are just so hardcore into it that they're almost blinded by their own shit. Yeah, and, and you know what, mate? Looking back um, when we were first talking about this, like I think it's got to have been last March now or April maybe. Um, and again, no, I say the 10 thing because I, I honestly believe a lot of people thought that Again, I was like, you know, the halving was coming up. I was like, you know, this is, you need to be investing in this space, even if it is Bitcoin and Ether. And and I just feel that, and even now, like, so if you look back then, for, for one, we, we're looking at the best performing asset over the last 10 years, next to others. But I'm an investor first. I'm not a property investor. I'm not a crypto investor. I'm an investor, right? At the end of the day, I'm trying to grow my capital to the best rate I can over a long period of time and then create generational wealth. That's the goal. Now, last year, where was the opportunity? And you you see, you knew how bullish I was on property. I was, I was like you. We was actively out there, deals, deals, deals. And, mm. and then I was like, wait there. Things ain't looking good economically unless governments and central banks step in, which they did. And um, but I'm like, where's the opportunity? And for me, I was like, well, I'm in a, I can jump into this asset here, which I'm pretty much, nothing's guaranteed, but I'm pretty much the probability of this 10x in is very likely based on historical data. So I'm going to move a lot of my liquid net worth into this space, and I'm I'm glad I did. <laughs> if anything, I wish I put more in. And um, like I'm looking at it now, and I'm thinking, yeah, you've had an all-time high housing market for for months and months on end. And it still can't compete with this asset. So, mm. yeah, you get the cash flow and stuff off the, off it, but there's ways you can get cash flow from crypto. So, to me, I love property and I will always buy property. And I've never said I wouldn't, right? And when property becomes tokenized, I'm, I'm, I'm going to invest in many different types of property, even, even more than I am now. I want massive exposure when it comes becomes tokenized because you've got the flexibility of investing anywhere in the world quite easily. Now, as far as crypto and property 
there's like, yeah, like I did one with Tej yesterday and it was, or the other day and he was crypto versus property. And I wasn't really like crypto versus property. You know, it's like, for me, I'm not, I don't want them to compete with each other. They two, they do two different things. I believe both should be in the overall portfolio. And something you mentioned just now, when you said about don't fall in love with an asset, this is where things like we covered, obviously on Sunday, the behavioral finance versus traditional finance theory. And we were talking about behavioral finance and, and, and the traits and, and, you know, in behavioral finance, we were saying our investors are treated normal, not rational. And we believe from a behavioral finance point of view that you do have limits on your self-control. We can be influenced by our own biases. We can make cognitive errors that can lead to wrong decisions. Where, if you look at the tra- traditional finance, like we was talking about, you, they, you could believe that the the market and the investors are perfectly rational. We have self-control and we're not confused by the cognitive errors or information uh, process and errors, which let's be fair, we all do. All of us look for confirmation. That's what we do when we do our research. So if you're investing in property now and you've just bought a deal and you listen to someone like myself and you start thinking, whoa, wait there, has he got some substance in what he's saying? What are you going to do if you're in a deal? I, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to go online and find confirmation to justify the deal that you have just done. We do it in everything we do in our life. We can go, mm-hmm. if, if, you go, if you're meant to go to the gym at 5 a.m. and you wake up and you don't want to go, you start telling yourself, I've been every single day this week, so it doesn't matter if I miss one day. Actually, I've got something to do at 8, so maybe I'm not back in time. Or, and you start justifying for why you're not doing it. And the, the difference in life when you miss the gym, like not that I've taken anything away from that, I think this massive your health is, but if you miss one day, you can go the day after. You do this when you invest in and your money's on, on the line. You've got to be careful what you do because otherwise you can quite easily fall um, quite far down the financial ladder by making a silly decision just because you look for confirmation bias. And at the end of the day, like we talked again on Sunday, it's just enforced by our reticular activating system. And it's just a filter that we, we filter data and we take in what we want to process is from an information point of view and we break it down. And then our reticular activating system just decides for us and dependent on what you want to feed it is what you're going to do. And I've done it. We've all done it. We've all done it. We've all gone online and tried to look for something to confirm our beliefs because we spoke to someone and we want to believe what they say. And it comes sometimes it can be the most dangerous trait we have. I totally agree with you, mate. I 100% agree with you there. Um, I was, um, I remember seeing the, um, the kind of uniform credit thing. Is it uniform? What were you talking about? What you mentioned a little while ago? Oh, the UBI universal. Basic That's income. it. Yeah. yeah. Universe. I remember when I saw those articles pop up on some kind of newsfeed and I remember reading it and I was just laughing because I was thinking in my head, I'm thinking, I told you, I didn't tell you. So I was going to say, he told you so and i did think a lot about sharing it and taking it out there and i thought damn this is happening in wales first has he got his hands in something is, he, is it has this got something to do with him did he know something and us lot didn't so you know and something else you said you can take away information from anyone you speak to you know and i think people need to stop being blinded by it and i was i was mate i was very very blinded by by the whole crypto thing but you know as of as of a few days ago i'm six figures into it and i'm proud to say that because i now believe in it whereas i didn't believe in it before because i didn't do any research into it the minute you start researching it and you start really realizing how fucked up our banking system is and how 
worthless the money you've got i mean i see cash in my drawer and i think you know what i want to get rid of this shit as quick as i can because i know it ain't got no true value it don't have no true value to me and i see people on, on the old instagram oh look at all this money i got i got paid up for my rent in one whole the students had to pay me in f- for the for the whole year because they can't get a guarantee and i'm thinking that cash is worthless man get that shit into something else it's not even about stockpiling money anymore yeah. And, and and this is the thing. So, you know, maybe I should start putting out there like old clips of when I say stuff, like, you know, and be like, well, you know, maybe I, it's better for me to do it that way to spread awareness, just not do it in an arrogant way. Because like, you know, I've seen people post when Bitcoin dipped the other day, 50% correction. Yeah. It was the first people, the people that, that never was vocal <laughs> before about it. They didn't want to say anything <laughs> when he was at 65K. But when it dipped... First people all over it posting, you know, oh, this is this is why you shouldn't invest money in this. This is why you should invest in this asset or this asset. It's like, oh, cool. You keep following your narrative, justify to yourself that you're not doing it because of this, this, and this, because you feel you're too late. And then when it when when it does go to where it's going, because nothing's changed. The, the, the narrative hasn't changed from Bitcoin. If anything, it's getting stronger. Just seen El Salvador adopt it as legal tender. Paraguay talking about it. It'd be silly for Venezuela, Zimbabwe, and then places not to do it as well. And we're going to see this, especially the smaller nations, which again is something that we discussed previously, that they, they can adopt that into the infrastructure a lot easier. And it makes sense for them. So when this this narrative becomes stronger and stronger, I'm struggling to believe what are they going to say? What, what are the people that want to keep, you know, bashing Bitcoin and bashing crypto? What are they going to say when it's like, well, okay, I've got nothing to say now. Because I'll tell you what they're going to say, nothing. They'll just act like uh, they're not interested in it. Because this is what they've done up to now. In this entire bull run, the people that are not invested have acted like they're not interested in it. But then all of a sudden when it dips, they got this interest in it. It's like, what were you just trying to promote the bad about it? Because like when I talk about different asset classes, I'm like, be aware and be careful. And I say the same with crypto. You know, I'm not like, oh, just put every single penny you got into it. You've got to do it under strict risk management and everyone's risk appetite is different. But I feel that this, the agenda behind some of this baffles me. I, the, the, never discredit a competitor, right? Never discredit. You don't need to. You don't need to discredit somebody else if you class them as a competitor. Just say what you want as your opinion. But if you have to discredit somebody else to gain followers, likes, or, or anything like that, there's something seriously wrong with your ego and you as an individual. There's no need for it. Mm-hmm powerful stuff there mate you know like you said there's always a motive behind somebody posting what they do i saw a post earlier on today of a you know a fairly well-known kind of property pm type management company that do deals for you up north and they'll look after the property refurb it all that stuff and one of their posts was you know why are you waiting for the market to blow over or something you know because it's never going to happen or something you need to be investing now and i looked at it and i thought for fuck's sake man i thought i need to comment on this and i thought you know what james that don't say nothing just take a back seat read it and just look at this i'm thinking why are people so dumb how can you not see that this is what they want to say so that you believe it because their whole service their whole business model is based around this you know they've got to carry on doing project managers project management projects to earn fees you know they've got to do this kind of thing to 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 make their business work so they're going to put out the kind of content that they need people to believe and people to see whereas the content you put out there is what 
is going to generally help someone, you know, or kind of put them 10 steps in front of anybody else if something does go wrong. And the content I put out there, I share losses. I talk about losing shitloads of money or talking about how a builder fucked this up, builder done this, because I genuinely don't want people making the same mistake I did. But people are very, very clever, mate. There's always a motive behind content going out, I think, with certain people. And that's the thing. So when you put up like your, I think your best project, I, or it's just hard to say because you've got some really good projects, but that house that you built, it was easier for you to put up that that was a fantastic, easy project and to look amazing. Like as if like, I don't get stuff wrong, but you shared your experiences with that and you shared your losses and something amazing come out of the back end of it, right? But you shared the re- the realness of it. And I think that that's more powerful than anything, especially in property. And yeah, like you said, if you've got an agenda, like the one of the worst people you can ask, like let's say property, the worst person you can ask, do you think that the property market is going to roll over? Don't ask a broker or a property educator. And then in crypto, if you've got someone shilling crypto sort of signals or signal group, the last thing you want to ask is that person, like for instance, a YouTube influencer, like, some of the ones that I've bumped into, you don't want to listen to them. Yeah, don't listen to a YouTube influencer that's only telling you one thing. If you're talking to somebody and the person that you're getting your information off is only giving you information that's one-sided, they're the wrong people to ask. Just listen to the people that look at both sides because, look, there's still, like, you know, in my mastermind, I'm, I'm not just there promoting one thing. I'm like, look at this, look at this, look at both, all aspects of this, you know, um, because you can't just push one thing. And if things go wrong, you got to adapt to it. If you don't think of what could go wrong, what happens when it does go wrong? Mm. So, yeah, I think it's important. And that's why, to be fair, that's why I think that your podcast gets so many views. I think that's why people listen to you and listen to people like yourself, like us, like Tej, just because you share your losses too. You can't, you know, everybody wins all the time. It's impossible to just win. <laughs> like, I, I want to meet the person that's always just the winner. You know, it, it's, you're going to take losses and, and that's what makes the win is even better because you understand how it feels. And you know what? If you're winning all the time, you're never going to experience, you're never going to get to experience what you learn through loss. Mm. You know, I was, le- I was reading the slight edge on the train today and that's what you were saying in there. If you're always winning, you're always winning, you're always winning. You never lose, and then you never get to learn what brings you back even more powerful. And like you said, if you're, if you're telling me everyone's winning all the time, that's just nonsense, mate. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, mate, before I wrap, I am going to wrap it up shortly, but what I want to do before I do that is I just want to talk about something that is really, really controversial all the time. You know, I know you've got a great community with the 5am club. You've got the mastermind group, which again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of. So, you know, I am through and through all for mentoring, all for coaching, all for education. I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about your opinions on mentoring and coaching. Cause I put up a post the other day where I just said something about what's your thoughts on mentoring. And I haven't shared the responses and I didn't want to because Everybody who responded and said, ah, it's a con, there's fake gurus, there's this, um, it's just a load of bullshit. I went and kind of stopped for a minute and I looked at every single person that said something negative and looked at their profiles. And it was just like, there's nothing going on, you know, they've just got maybe a mediocre project going on, nothing exciting whatsoever, nothing where you can say, you know what, this guy's doing big things. 
And then I had two people that commented real positive stuff. They're like, I'm all for it. It took me from naught to 60 in two seconds rather than two years. Some really, really strong comments like that. And then when you go into their profiles and you look at some of the stuff they're doing, the comparable, mate, for me, I was just like, do I share this and just show here's Joe blog saying it's all shit. And here's this guy who's doing mad projects saying it's fantastic. And you just make your own judgment, mate. So for me, I wanted to ask you your opinions on mentoring, coaching and education. I think that it's 100% needed. Um, I wouldn't be able to do half of the stuff I'm doing now in the time frame I've done it without it. Um, I think you've got to be careful and do some research on the person, make sure they are doing what they say. But I think because the thing is people associate cost with it. It's like, oh, that's going to cost this. It's going to cost. They don't associate with it as an investment. Now, when you start changing your mindset on it and you're like, I mean, you, this is an investment, it changes everything because what you're doing is you're paying for time. That's what you're doing. You're like, yeah, you can go out and find all the information online and stuff, but you're paying for your time. Like if, if, if someone said to me, right, you can learn how to do this, for instance, you can go network and travel around and meet loads of people could take you two years or you can pay 15 K now and you can find out everything in a month. And then it's down to you to take action. I'm personally, if the people who got the money, be crazy not to save time. Time is the most precious thing. So for you to optimize your time, mentoring and coaching allows you to excel quicker because you're getting information from people that's already walked the walk, already done it. So for me, I would always pay for it. I'm always looking to learn off new people. Mm, mm. I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. I mean, people were people were shocked when I when I mentioned to them I'm on a mentoring program with Darren Hardy, the guy who wrote the compounding effect and they're just like wow that can't have been cheap and yeah it wasn't cheap but you know some of the information you get off of this guy is absolutely amazing he's built businesses and not only that i'm being mentored from him on how to be a leader on how to be a great leader moving forward because he's a strong believer in saying that more people are going to know need to learn how to be leaders because more people are not going to be working in normal jobs you're going to be setting up businesses you're going to be doing all kinds of things and the fact that i can foresee that in the future i thought you know what let me get myself fucking leaded up, you know, let me learn from the best there is to learn from because it is just an investment in yourself. Mate, like to me, people like Darren Hardy, right? To be able to learn from someone like that, why would someone not want to learn from someone like that? This is why I don't understand. So, but I'm always buying courses and stuff. Like I'm, I'm not one of those impulsive buyers, right? So if something comes up and I like the look of it and I get targeted with an ad, I'm that guy who's like, yeah, buy it, see what it's like. And, but I, I love learning from people. And to me, a lot of the information that I've taken in and that I can give to people is because I've spent time um, learning off other people and paying for other people's knowledge. Like I, there was, there was someone in Dubai I really wanted to get in front of, right? And I was trying and trying and trying and he kept shooting me down. And he's a bit arrogant and stubborn. And I tried and I managed the one day I, m- I met him again with, through a friend. And I was like, please let me take you for food. I just want to, like, the information the guy knew, I needed to be in front of him, right? And I eventually said, we can, we'll go for food, but I'm picking, but you're paying. So I thought, I know he's going to take the piss a little bit, you know, <laughs> which mm-hmm. which he did. But what, whatever that cost me that day, the information that I took away from that, mate, I've, he himself said, people don't normally get told this until they're like 65 and they're at a stage of their life where 
they then start, they start planning too late. The stuff that that guy was telling me was, mate, I couldn't, I don't know what it would be worth for, you know, he deals with only real, real high net worth people. So unless you're like 20 million upwards net worth, you're not really going to get information from this guy. So for me, it didn't matter what it cost, but that's because I decided to go out my way. Now, if I was small minded and thought I'm not paying this guy because he's stubborn and arrogant and like, why would I pay him for his food and all this type of stuff? Then I would never know the stuff I know today. And Mm. same as in property. Yeah. There was things that the aftercare in the course that I took wasn't the greatest, but I learned enough to go out there and build a portfolio, which I did in a short space of time. And what, how long would that have taken me if I went out there and had to go meet everyone, try to network and all that type of stuff. I fast tracked it. Same as trading. I paid for trading. I paid for M and a knowledge. Every, for me, I'm fast tracking what I'm doing and you have to still be patient because it takes time, but you're getting the knowledge quicker. So when you take action, at least you're equipped when you take action and then you could sort of avoid some mistakes you would have made because there's that saying that they say you pay for your mistakes one way or another. And I believe in it because you will, you will, you're going to run into problems if you don't know what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you, mate. I was kind of like, you know, you can imagine I have a lot of people reach out to me asking me property questions all the time and mm-hmm. you just don't have enough time to respond to them and you can be as helpful as you can, but certain things really need, you know, a good few hours or they might even need weeks or months to help people out. And I was always really, really kind of reluctant on doing any kind of mentoring or coaching, but it was only recently where I, you know, kick up the ass from a few people. And even yourself, you said to me, James, you know, you've got a fantastic bank of knowledge here. You've done things that people have not done. Uh, oh, yeah. You should seriously consider it, you know, and just, sure. just doing, yeah, just doing 15 minute strategy calls with people I was amazed at how many people really do need some kind of assistance, you know, in, in kind of getting started. And I feel with me, it's totally different because the kind of mentoring coaching that I kind of have started doing with people is more so bespoke and catered to what they need. It's not just, here's a shitload of information on bike to let's or HMOs mm. go and read it and go and implement it because it don't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Everybody is yeah. different. And yeah. it's been nice. It's been nice to speak to so many people and, and and kind of try to kind of help them, put them in the right direction. And you can tell the people who are genuinely want to kind of change and you can tell the time wasters straight away. Yeah, but also there's only a few people that I personally, especially in property, that I would reach out to for, for advice, right? And and this is what speaks volumes. So obviously I was in Dubai before Shara came out and Shara couldn't get hold of me and she contacted you for advice on something in property. So yeah. for her, she knows that I'm connected to loads of people, but who did she choose to contact? And I said, I was like, what made you pick James? And she was like, because I know he gave me a real answer. So wow. for her, just from what she's seen in your presentations and what I've spoke about you and just knowing our sort of, knowing our relationship, you was the person she re- was reached out to, to for, the, for, the, for the information because she knew that it would be no messing about. And you tell her, and I know somebody else, our mutual friend who was in Dubai with me on his commercial deal, he reached out to you too, because he told me. Yeah, yeah, so he did, he because, did. It's because they know they're going to get a real answer from you. And that, I think that's more valuable than than anything else. Like you said, especially in property, everyone's different, right? Um, we all have a different personality. So like you said, being more bespoke is what people will need, I think, because 
there's not like a generic course that everyone does and like, yeah, you can stack numbers and deals and all that type of stuff, but how you approach it as an individual, because everyone's got different limitations, like and self-beliefs that to bespoke it, they need, need, there's more of that that's needed, I think, in the space. Because a lot of people know the information, but they don't know how to implement it, implement it because their self-beliefs hold them back. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, mate. And I think, I think even for myself, I was kind of for a long, long time, I just thought, you know what, do I want to do this? Do I want to, do I want to really have a mentoring and coaching thing? And then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, my whole concept of my whole social media is trying to help as many people as I can. But like you said, there is a real value for my time now, you know, with two young kids, a wife and a family, mm. you've got to value your time and there needs to be a, there needs to be a price on your time. So that's, yeah. that's what I did. So you know, you heard it here first on the podcast would be that, yeah, Uncle yeah. James does do a bit of mentoring. So if you want yeah. to reach out, you can. Like my listen. little plug there. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, mate, I, I, like I, I, I've been telling you for a long time, like you, you I, I mean, this is going back last year. Like, you know, even when I come to come up to see your project in London, that was ages ago. And I was telling you then you should be doing it, mate. You, you, you should have done this a long time ago. I think that it's needed. And there's a big gap in the space for someone real, and I think that the fact that you have more than just property knowledge, you have business knowledge, you have self-development knowledge, you, you, you can hit it from more than one angle. So, you know, people, people aren't just getting, oh, I'm going to learn how to do property. They're getting everything. And I think mm-hmm. that, again, there's not many people that's that versatile out there that can give you that much information from different parts of, of, of everything. Mm-hmm. No, thank you so much for that, man. I really appreciate that. And just to add to that, um, me and Ted have got a networking event starting soon, which Dee was supposed to be part of, but he decided to decided to disappear off the other side of the world. But yeah, Dee, I'm going to finish it off here, but I just want to add one last thing here, mate. The 5am club, how has it panned out for you from how you planned it would be and the vision of when you started it? Because you know what? I love it. I'm on the call every Wednesday and there's always someone interesting on there doing something. How, how has it been from when you started it to what you've achieved with it right now? So, yeah, I didn't expect it to be what it is now. I love the fact that like my whole plan was to give some of the platform like a low barrier to entry that they could learn a lot of stuff from real people. And this is the first time I'm announcing this. I was going to announce it next week, but I'm actually going to drop the price of the 5am club because i want more people in it and i want it to be even cheaper for people to access the information because to me i don't take money from the 5am club it's it's like you know i don't take profit out of it i just reinvest into advertising or into anything to do with it it's not something that i wanted it to ever be so for me i want more people involved in it there's a charge because it does cost my time in getting the people there and building it. But I never thought it was going to be this big. And just having reviews from people to how it's impacted them, that's everything. That's the whole point of it. And I had a lot of, like, you know, a bit of stick off some of the education companies because it was too cheap and is this and that. But look, mate, end of the day, if it's changed, it's ch- I know it's changed mindsets of a lot of people. And just like seeing you every morning, 5 a.m., James is always that guy asking the questions while he's running like 10 kilometers and like it's raining <laughs> and everyone's in the warm with their cups of hot chocolate and coffee. And James is out in the cold. Um, yeah. So that type of stuff, you know, anyone that's in the 5 a.m. club know, know about that. <laughs> 
No, it's a great it's a great platform, and like D said, barrier to entry on it is is low as it is already. And mm, if he's dropping yeah. it even further, you get a lot a lot of information on it. And I'm I'm really looking forward to coming back for the second time to do I a presentation wait. on there. And I, do you know what? I think I might just have to fly to Dubai and do it in person with you there, mate. So yeah. we can have a right laugh. <laughs> Definitely, there'll be a party. <laughs> But listen, mate, I know it's been a long day for everybody. It's been a long day for you. It's been a long day for me. So I'm going to wrap it up there, mate. I was going to say, you know, where to find D, but you don't even need this guy's socials mm-hmm. anymore. You just need to go into Instagram and start typing D, and he just comes up. You know, the letter D, he's just there, self-populated in the search. So you'll you'll find him. And guys, listen, if, you're, if, if anybody's out there looking to kind of further the whole crypto thing and just what D does with... Um, explaining banking DeFi, and finance and all that i know his um you know his mastermind group which i'm a part of and i know quite a few people on that and you know these are big guys that don't commit to something very very easily are, are members in this mastermind group you should definitely reach out to him mate, and, and see what that's all about because it's if you think the 5am club's good this is kind of like 5am on steroids and protein shakes times 10 that's how i'm going to describe that. it man appreciate that mate appreciate that um d any last words from you i just want to see that i just want to see james on the 5am club and i want to see james out there coaching 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 that's it (laughs) oh mate thank you so much on those notes i'm going to end the podcast there thank you for joining us for the third time i'm sure you're going to be on it the fourth fifth sixth how many times we can get you awesome thank you mate thanks for tuning in to the j2 hub podcast with james sahota if you like the podcast Feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.